This evening we are coming to the last period of this month together. And I would like for a moment or two to uh, turn the attention back a little to three or four weeks, four weeks ago when you first came. And perhaps to recall some of the original uh, intentions that brought uh, each person here and for this period of time of uh, exploration and the meditative seeing into what is happening. And amidst the uh, diversity of reasons that bring you here to this situation and others, similar ones, would be one trusts and hopes for the purposes of one's liberation as a human being, to be a, a free and uh, emancipated human being and to understand, to sense what that means in, in this world that we live and participate in. And in this world, particularly in our society, we have been told with some frequency uh, that we have the uh, privilege of living in the free world. And when that's questioned, when that's asked of what that means, it's usually thought of in particular narrowly defined terms. We have the freedom to elect particular people to Parliament. We have the uh, freedom to choose this and that particular item. We have the freedom to as it were, get on in life and succeed in our particular field. We have the freedom to say what we wish to say, more or less to do what we wish to do. And all of this is <coughs> described as life in the free world. And we've had this uh, rhetoric thrust at us from, for many, many years. But it's a freedom which, it seems to me, is freedom bound up with individualism. The freedom of I, the freedom of self to go and get what I want, what I need, and what I want and I need within the, the framework of the law, within the framework of what's socially acceptable. This is in the reference to freedom. And then we hear too, of course, of freedom, of liberation, emancipation, salvation, the different uh, concepts, which come and are born out of a religious language, a religious tradition. 
And that freedom, that salvation is, is offered, as it were, the supreme prize of existence. And we hear this described in different traditions and lineages, different schools of religious life. And sometimes when we look at that, and particularly when we consider and reflect upon some of the people who are said to be liberated, said to have gained this salvation, this uh, enlightenment, or found or dwelling God, whatever the language which is used. Sometimes we may have the thought when we perceive this, a little bit of concern that it sometimes seems terribly otherworldly, that it doesn't seem to take into account the world as we live in. So one hears and, and, and a great deal of one kind of freedom called political, social, economic freedom. And to some measure, to some degree, we enjoy that. And one hears, too, of a religious freedom, a, a liberation, a salvation, <coughs> and uh, an enlightenment. And both of these uh, and are spoken of with great frequency according to the concerns and the beliefs of particular groups and individuals. And I mention this simply because that we not in order to adopt or identify ourselves with one or the other, but really to ask oneself and ask and question deeply, what does it mean to be, what does it mean for me to keep it in a personal way so it's not a philosophy, what does it mean to me to be a free human being? Since this by thoughtful and concerned people of different, as it were, persuasions, political, religious, or whatever, is frequently pointed to, referred to, and since we do see in our world, in various forms, and we've had forms here, of sometimes it seems like a constant struggle for freedom, and we show this taking place in different ways, then we... I think we need to stop and we need to ask and we need to look at ourselves and at our way of being in the world. What does it mean to be a free human being? How much does this really matter to me? How much does this really a real interest and a real concern? And I think that the, that the very best of all the other intentions that we have, and in our most noble moments, when we say, well, what is it that I think is really important in this world? What is it that really is significant, really is valid, really is worth working with or working for or experiencing or discovering, I think in language terms we could dis 
discover it or appreciate it in terms of a freedom in life, a liberation in life. Just um, um, recently, and I think it's um, a little bit through computer technology, it's possible these, these days to quantify resources of the world and to see how the resources of the world relate and fit in to our existence. That the world itself, as we know it, as we experience it, can be measured and the way of the world and our way of being in the world are interrelated, interdependent, as we have said many times. What the people who are engaged in these measurements have discovered is that they have taken into consideration the available resources of the world and they put in their scientific formulas and their mathematical uh, um, explorations the position that of looking at our society and its relationship to the third world to <coughs> poverty and they put the question what would it be what would it mean to bring people of the third world to up to the same standard of living as you and I which is probably not the, certainly not the highest standard of living by any chance, by any measure but what would it be to bring the, all the people of the world to a comparatively similar standard of living as you and I are used to in our everyday life. And the question I was put was how long would the resources last? If people moving towards uh, the advantages that you and I have were all brought to this level. And the resources, including of course the tropical rainforests, including the, the minerals and the oil and the minerals and all the resources of how long would this last if, the, if people were brought up to s uh, an equal standard of living and they poured all of this information into the computer they saw the numbers and the people and the resources they quantified and measured etc and all of the resources of the planet would be exhausted totally in four years <laughs> four years so it would seem to me that the two freedoms which have been spoken of the political freedom and to have more opportunity in life and, 
and uh, greater privilege and the, the ability to grow materially and economically and to pursue one's own aims and interests and uh, religious freedoms which have been spoken of in terms of living in the world and discovering a certain state of transcendence or uh, a certain beyondness, a certain otherness to all of, all of this. That when I reflect on this and look at these two freedoms as the supreme prize of the human being, something somewhere inside of me, deep down, whispers there's something unsatisfactory about both. That somehow or other, in this claim for one or the other, while recognize the immense benefits that both can bring, something says that something seems to be missing or overlooked somewhere. And it seems to me that we live in a time that regardless of all the voices of authority of many, many generations and the, and the major voices of authority of many, many generations, that we need to, in a, in a way, re-evaluate what freedom is in light of the world that we live in. And that the old expressions of it and uh, beliefs about it perhaps are not totally suitable for a way of being in this world. And sometimes when we look, and I, as I, and I think we have to keep the question as it were, alive in ourselves. And what does it mean? What, what, what does it mean to be a free human being, a truly free human being? That I don't know whether we can think about that in light of the circumstances that we live in on this planet at this particular time without considering simultaneously the freedom of all. In, in, in completely fresh light. That it seems to me that in reflection and uh, dwelling on what it means to be a free human being, the thought cannot be such that it's somehow exclusive of, fleed of the rest. Do you understand? Freedom has been thought of in terms of us, the group, whoever that the group might be, Ask the political ideology, ask the adherence to this, the adherence to that. Or it's been thought of it in terms of a, shall we say, a personal salvation. And both of them seem to be, the thought of it seems to be in a mode which is exclusive. A mode which somehow or other isn't contemplating the significance of what does it mean to be free? And simultaneously include other, the sense of other. It's almost as though the challenge to us 
is to look at life and to say the freedom of one is vitally linked with the freedom of all. All. And one wonders how can consciousness, how can we ever dwell in such a prospect? I think the times that we that we uh, live in, regardless of events that have gone past, are times which, for humanity, do not have a comparable precedent. At any time in history, I do not think there's a comparable precedent, precedent to the one that this in which we live at the present time. And I think the distinctions of it is revealed in a sense of the world that the, the vulnerability of the world, and therefore we are the world, we are the environment, the vulnerability of that is at a global level in a way which human beings haven't known about previously. There has certainly been in the past huge threats, no question, look at this horrendous century, huge threats to particular large groups of people and their location. But there's been no point in, in recorded history where all beings' life is now vulnerable. <laughs> and because all of life is so vulnerable, the in, some of the insights and the revelations and the experiences and the understanding of some of the great figures of the past, I believe, are not adequate to deal with such a situation as we now live in. And having had, and having spent, if I may say, my uh, life involved in, uh, in religious expression, and religious forms, and, and all that accompanies it, and have, as probably as much as anyone else, a uh, reasonably thorough and perhaps deep uh, um, readings of various religious texts that have been offered and are available to us through many traditions, in my understanding, both in the contemporary analysis and in the traditional ones, there isn't an adequate exploration taking place of a total picture of which human beings are collectively vulnerable. And therefore, it seems to me that fresh explorations, fresh insights and discoveries are vital. Otherwise we'll fall back on the salvation of the group or the salvation of me. So then we still come to the question, we still ask ourselves, what, what does it mean to be a free human being. What 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 what's the what's the the 
intimations of, of that. During the days that we've, uh, that we've um, been here and explored meditation, we have noticed, and someone was pointing out today, various kind of, shall we, what we would call internal events taking place of a variety. In fact, there's no such thing as an internal event. This is just a thought which we repeat somewhat ad nauseum till we've said it enough times in life that we think we can have an experience which is somehow nothing to do with totality. Nothing to do with the environment. Just it happened to me. This is a daydream. However, the daydream gains a kind of momentum to it. We call, oh, I had this experience which went on inside of me. We notice during the time of these events taking place that changes and shifts go on there with those events. And I wonder if we could look at that those events that take place in a way as the environment shifting, as the environment moving. And we've experienced storms and earthquakes and upheavals and, and cloudiness and dullness and brightness and we felt growth and stagnation and death and birth and all those events going on. And that that isn't separate, isn't something other than what we see, hear and know about every day of our life. The very language, the metaphorical language that we use to describe what's taking place is in the nature of things, shall we say. What does it mean amidst the storms, amidst the the distortions amidst the cloudiness amidst being blown up and amidst being calm and still like a what does it mean to be free <coughs> and sometimes when we get into this view of I am working on myself. And when I have done enough work on myself, afterwards then I can do something for the planet, something for people or whatever. And this view which takes place becomes such a strong view that we adopt, we'll never feel ready. never feel ready with this view. Because the very view of not being ready and the cherishing of that view means that one's got the idea, I am imperfect. And if I do enough mindfulness and observation and uh, whatever, then I'll be perfect. I'll have a perfect little internal environment 
then I can do something. And we have heard this from one generation to the next, which we, in which we can persist in this isolation from totality. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a free human being? Does it mean having everything perfect within ourselves? Is that going to be the measure? Complete calmness, clarity, morning, noon and night. <laughs> Unruffled. Is that, what, is that what it means? Has anybody ever met anybody who approaches anything like that? Except the dead. So what, what, would, what would it mean? Are we going to keep using some kind of reference point of events which we internalize as me and mine? Is that going to be what we're going to keep comparing and judging and, and analyzing and deciding? What does it mean to be a free human being? And sometimes we stop and we we look and we uh, and we respond. And we begin to perhaps sense a little bit that one of the factors which seems to make a difference is the use of my. The use of my. And sometimes, you know, if, if when we explore and when things sometimes seem extraordinarily complex and it seems like there's so much to do to sort out one's life, to get it as one wishes, hoping and praying it will happen before one is too old to enjoy it. <laughs> and sometimes in all of that diversity, sometimes it's might be useful to come to a very simple question and to just take that and look and stare that in the face and sometimes the question or what we look at can be formulated into one short word my M Y my and what that means in regard to totality. That this concept, cherished, clung to, adhered to, held on to, gives the appearance of fragmenting totality, dividing emptiness, splitting the suchness of things. With one mind,
And if we pierce through, we look into my and, and, and see what that does and probe it again ruthlessly, mercilessly probe that and look, look at that with all the pain that challenges us to look at that perhaps we won't be so much involved in one view of salvation and liberation political, economic, personal freedoms and all the my that grows with that grows with it to such an extent that as people get richer they become more afraid needing more <coughs> high walls more guard dogs more protection to hold on to my, my, my and all the fears and the paranoias and the alcohol and the despair that goes along with it. And it just, you know, it just struck me a couple of days ago. My, the word misery, starts with an M and it ends with a Y. And my is shorthand for misery. <laughs> and similarly in the cherishing in, of my freedom and my salvation and my understanding and, and all of that. Can we just look at the way that that shows itself? And if we're questioning that and looking at that, you know, and I say with an unashamed ruthlessness in life, then perhaps something about freedom and the world as not as it were to, not, there's not an otherness to it and that the use of that word just becomes a kind of conventional word to use without any without that sense of substance to it. And perhaps that may influence and may affect many perceptions that we have in life just through taking this and looking at it. I think one of the fears that we have with this is that if we're not possessive, if we're not gripping and calling this my, my things, my items, my relationship, my job, my career, my meditation, my space, my this, my that. But the fear is that if we're not holding in that way, what's likely to happen is that we're going to be walked and trodden on all over. Therefore we try to make, as it were, extract out of this world a separate little world to feel safe and secure with, which we call my. 
And that very separation, that separation brings the feeling of being threatened, of being intruded upon, of being robbed, of being exploited, of being ripped off, of being whatever it might be. And the more we feel that's what happens to us, the more easily the mind comes into grip again. And it's hard for us in finding out what freedom is to understand, to sense that in abandonment of this my expression can come with such quiet authority in the world, such directness in, in the world that one is not afraid of the world. Because the fear is bound up with my. The fear is tied to my. And if my has lost its substance, then fear simultaneously and correspondingly loses it. Just take any simple possession that one has. Just, just give a thought in the days that you have been here of what particular situation or item or whatever it is that you have noticed most distinctly my whatever it might be countless numbers of them when something is occurring in precisely the same way for another human being and therefore one does not have a my, oh it's my space, my blanket, my shawl, my toothbrush when it's to somebody else there's no anxiety and worry and fear and depression no suffering the suffering is according to the my. Not to the actuality of events. And I think coming out of the fixation of it, <coughs> seeing its emptiness, seeing the emptiness of it allows not only a love of freedom, a love of freedom from my but also uh, an affection and a sensitivity for the world and it doesn't in any way inhibit action when the people are working in the tropical rainforests and they see these huge exploiters and industrialists moving into the tropical rainforest one may think well if they don't feel it's theirs and they have lived there for generations they don't have a sense of my about it then they'll just be very passive they say well it's not mine and just let the industrialists 
the whoever walking in an exploit. If one sees something which is unjust, free from my, one's heart has to respond to it. One can't be passive. One also can't be violent. But with my, one can be violent. It seems to me there's a tremendous opportunity in these vulnerable times that we live in, in which it seems that the resources of exploration for us, while are present, and while recognizing the value and the intimations and the profound insights of old, perhaps in these times that we live in, liberation cannot be thought of in any kind of exclusive terms because it undermines what freedom and liberation is. It cannot be thought of outside of the totality. And therefore, are we living on this earth willing to keep asking and questioning ourselves, what does it mean to be free? Is the measure just going to be what I am feeling inside? May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the emptiness of my. May all beings be free. Let's have a couple of quiet minutes, shall we, please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.